You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So come to the site now at Sporting News. You'll see the picks there against spread, the decider column, the starts and sits will be up as well for fantasy football. So kind of in full week eight mode. And uh, we talked about the waiver guys to look at yesterday, weekly waiver wire with Eric at home. Now we're up to that fun part of the week where we look at every game in detail. It's called matchup focused. If you're new to the show, if you're not new to the show, you know that uh, as we've upgraded experts edition, our guest later will be Jeff Ratcliffe of pro football focus uh, expert there on the uh, serious XM fantasy sports radio, as well as uh, CBS sports network. Uh, everywhere you see him, he's had such great insight uh, wherever you can listen or read him. So we're always thankful to have him and it'll be a great, great week here as we continue. We'll look at the four most intriguing matchups with Jeff a little later in the show. We'll open with some, uh, the early game action. Then we'll close with the late games that you need to know about here in week number eight for fantasy football. So let's get started. We have a lot to talk about here. Uh, more bye weeks again, but uh, we'll navigate through those. The big one hasn't even come yet, so we'll wait for those. But the Dolphins and Texans here on Thursday night football actually switches to NFL Network because we know it's not as marquee of a game here. So when you look at the Dolphins, they're 4-3 and three, and the Texans are 3-4. and four. The over-under in this game is 44, not a lot. The Texans are big Favorite in this one, seven and a half points. When you look at the Texans, it was good that Lamar Miller got going last week. And now I have to fade Deshaun Watson pretty hard because the offensive line issues, more injury issues, a wide receiver. They're having to move Tyler Irvin, the running back, into a spot spot with uh, Kiki Kuti down there with the hamstring not playing. So in this one, you're looking at a lot of more of Lamar Miller. They're trying to keep it simple here. The Dolphins run defense is reeling. Lamar Miller will be a little motivated. It's a team that didn't re-sign him. He landed with the Texans as a free agent. So I like him a lot. I think he'll run well and produce here on Thursday night. You're still going to stick with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, will Fuller, I think, is still a bit of a stretch here. Xavier Howard can do a little containing of Hopkins, but we know the Hopkins matchup against the Jaguars still got the job done with the touchdown. So He's a matchup-proof kind of guy. He's good, but Fuller I would fade, and Watson I would not play as well. So Miller, for sure, a very good play. Hopkins, curb your expectations a little bit because it's tougher than usual. Here in the Texans' defense is fantastic here. Primetime home. Brock Osweiler, the former Texan on the other side. So all lines up very nicely for the Texans to be very productive there for you and all your usual IDP guys as well. On the Dolphins side of things, a lot of wide receiver injuries all of a sudden. They're going to be forced to play Devontae Parker in this one because Albert Wilson is down on IR. You've got uh, Kenny Stills not playing this game with a growing issue. So 
We've seen the past two weeks, Danny Amendola, if you need him in a PPR, he's got a good connection with Osweiler here. The Texans are kind of weak in slot coverage and can give up some things in the middle. So PPR play only for Amendola. He did uh, score of late here, but it's really hard to trust him there. He does have a bit of injury of his own, but uh, he's maybe the one guy pulling out of this offense. I'm not thrilled about Kenny Drake. Of course, if you need him to play him, Go with that. I just wouldn't be too excited about it. The Texans in this defensive matchup could be kind of lopsided in the Texans' favor there. So, Drake, if you needed Frank Gore, we're totally fading after last week and all the things that happened there. And so, if you're stretching for anyone there, it's Amendola and Drake. And uh, Drake can help you pretty much well as an RB2 flex. I just see more like an eight or nine point game with a chance for a touchdown, uh, more so than a really big game here and that's kind of in park for the course with the ceiling from Kenyon Drake this season our next game is the Eagles and Jaguars you are going back to London it's happening now seeming like all the time there's a Mexico City game coming up big that is going to have a lot of points with the Rams and Chiefs well this one's in London we had 9 30 a.m eastern time special last week with the Titans and Chargers uh this is one kind of similar. We're not sure how much offense we're going to get. The over-under is really low in this one, 42. So that's not great for uh, wanting to put everyone in here. Carson Wentz, uh, if you've got a better alternative, and you probably do because you drafted him with a contingency plan, I would go in that direction. Alshon Jeffrey, in most places you're going to start him because he's still one of your better one, th- two, three wide receivers to put in there. But... Just keep in mind the tough matchup. They might put more A.J. Bowie on Jeffrey as well. And if he can get away with the Jalen Ramsey move, that'll be fine. But I just don't trust too much here with Aguilar, Jeffrey. I can't really recommend Jeffrey. I really like Zach Hurts. He's going to be locked in. Matchup proof every week because they can move around. And the Jaguars have actually had some success against the tight end, but it's been a bit up and down here. So Ertz. Is there and, and no one in this backfield now with Corey Clement and uh, Wendell Smallwood? A lot of up in the air with that that combination here. Committee, we don't know if Darren Sproles can come back yet in this London game either. So that adds uh, some curveball to this. So avoid there. Avoid if you can. Ertz is the only guy you want to play. And the Eagles defense, I think, is also worthy given Blake Bortles' turnover struggles of late. The Jaguars defense, I'm going to stick with them. I have them in the league and I've been disappointed with the results. But this seems like a good spot here that they've been challenged. They want to get after it. So that's why I don't really love the Eagles this week. And I'd like them to win it because of defense. But the Jaguars defense is going to hang in there as well. So you look at uh, the Jaguars offense. uh, We don't know about Carlos Hyde versus TJ Yeldon. I think Yeldon, the game flow and the matchup would seem to favor Yeldon here. If the Eagles were able to score a little bit more. Hyde, they usually stop things between the tackles and the power running game. So Yeldon dump-offs catch is still viable here. We'll see if uh, Leonard Fournette is even on the radar for this one. We think with the bye coming up in Week 9 and uh, has a chance to return in Week 10, they're not going to force it. So this might be the only time we see Hyde as a power back, and it's not exactly, unfortunately, one of the better matchups. Hyde is always a threat to score a short touchdown, however, and if they get on the board, the Jaguars very well could be doing it that way. So... Keep that in mind. Uh, Yeldon's value definitely dropped here. He still has more good vibes in a PPR because of his receiving ability here, and he did score a touchdown through the air last week. So Yeldon, I think, has some viability. He just drops from the guy that we were looking at as a high-end RB2 into more of a uh, flex play and a low-end RB2 at best this week. 
Our next game is the Seahawks and Lions. Still under 50 here on the over-under, 49.5. Lions are three-point favorites at home. This is going to be a lot of running. These run defenses are not very good here. They did add a Damon Stacks Harrison, the Lions did. So that's not necessarily the best news for Chris Carson here. He's still going to say he's the lead of this backfield and Lions run defense struggles and be up to Harrison to get up to speed really fast here. But that does maybe tempt fade a little bit to forcing in the Seahawks backfield into your lineup if you've got better alternatives. I think you go there even with the matchup because we don't know how it's going to split between Carson and uh, Rashad Penny and Mike Davis. It could be a bit of an ugly committee as well in trying to get the job done. I'm not really feeling really much in the Seahawks offense. I think Russell Wilson, if you needed him and you drafted him as your automatic plug-and-play QB, then yeah, off a bye, you're going in there, but Tyler Lockett could be bottled up here downfield. Uh, Darius Slay might travel with him. We'll see. But Doug Baldwin, I think if you need him in the slot, he's probably the best option here for the Seahawks uh, receiving core. So, yeah, you can play Wilson if needed in leagues if you don't have any alternative. And uh, Baldwin, I think, definitely his viability as a wide receiver three this week, assuming that he's going to be involved as he was last game and not the pr- game from three weeks ago there. So that's... Uh, how we kind of see this one carry on Johnson for the Lions side of things. Uh, Seahawks run defense is not all that good. So carry on Johnson getting a lot of volume coming off a big game. They're going to keep feeding him. I think at the receiving core, I have to look at uh, Kenny Galladay and Golden Tate, a fade Marvin Jones here pretty fast. So Galladay and Tate disappointing last week was they ran all over, but they're back at home. These guys typically produce at home. So, and you look at the matchups there on the outside, they're pretty and inside there for, Tate in the slot, they're pretty darn good. So I, I see some rebound games. I don't know if I see the touchdown. Golden Tate is not a touchdown guy. It takes him to take short passes and go to the house. But uh, definitely he's going to be very involved yardage-wise this week for the Lions to move the ball. And defensively, I would avoid both these teams. I just don't know what I'm going to get. And if they can run the ball, that means less chance for sacks and turnovers on either side. The Lions could get a few sacks, but that's about it. I think they'll still give up points in this game. Our next game that we'll talk about is the Broncos and the Chiefs. And uh, this is a 1 p.m. game here that uh, has a lot of intrigue on the Chiefs side, of course. Uh, We're going to just lock and load Patrick Mahomes and Kareem Hunt, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. They're in your lineup every week. Sammy Watkins, uh, I would fade him a little bit here because the Chiefs can run pretty well on the Broncos. So I don't see a big yardage day from Holmes if Kareem Hunt gets going, but I could see 215-3 easily for Mahomes here as a decent expectation for him. Uh, so I think you'll get more closer to 30 points than 40-plus to 50 points. So you'll take it still with uh, Mahomes. And... Uh, you look at the Chiefs' defense. They're coming out of late. They played much better at home. They had some turnover good days against the uh, 49ers there early last week against the uh, Bengals. So the Broncos are similar. You mistake prone. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them to throw the ball. So that's where I kind of like the Chiefs' defense. And they have the Browns next week and the Cardinals after that. So two very good matchups for the Chiefs' uh, defense to keep producing those sacks and the chances for takeaways. On the Broncos' side of things, Royce Freeman, we're going to see with an ankle. He doesn't look as good to play. So Philip Lindsay could see a nice role here. Chiefs do give up a lot to running backs. Can be involved in the passing game as well to help his numbers. So 
He's a guy I like, as well as Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Demarius Thomas. I think it's a bit of a trap to play Case Keenum in this one, for sure, because uh, I think there'll be a lot of dump-offs and that type of thing, and the Chiefs' defense does play better at home. It could be a trap there, like we saw within the Andy Dalton matchup, so it's really hard to be inspired with Keenum after we see Dalton blew that uh, big, big matchup there. The Broncos' defense had a monster game against the Cardinals. You're sitting them back down here against the Chiefs, uh, that's for sure. Our next game that we look at in the 1 p.m. Eastern Time window on Sunday is the Redskins and Giants also pretty low. We're back down to under uh, 45. We're at 53.5 for Broncos Chiefs. This one is 42.5 here. And the Redskins are slight home, the road favorites, minus one. This has been a tricky one there to pick four against the Redskins week in and week out. So we're expecting a close game here. So both teams to get into the 20s and uh, put up some numbers. A lot of field goals expecting for the Redskins and Giants really in this one. So if you need a kicker here, Dustin Hopkins, Aldrich Rosas are guys that you can look at. I like the Redskins defense a little bit. And I like the Giants defense a little bit less. But Redskins defense has been rather consistent minus that Colts and Saints game. Their two losses and their wins. They've been very productive in fantasy football. And we should project now this is going to be a win for the Redskins uh, on paper here favored by a point so we have to think that way the Redskins offense uh, Alex Smith I think you can look at him maybe because I don't think they're going to run effectively on the Giants with Adrian Peterson so he's going to have to put it up for them to score I can see a scenario like 200 yards and two touchdowns not great but if you're in deep league having some buy issues uh, some guy to definitely consider this week there the receiving core too messed up for we have to trust anything there including Jordan Reed there. We thought he's going to get a little bit more run, but James Crowder hurting missed last week and the previous week with an ankle injury. We'll see about Paul Richardson, but Alex Smith, if you need to really get him to run a little bit, throw some short passes into the end zone, multiple TDs around 200 yards, I think you can probably get it there. And Eli Manning, same thing on the other side of this. Uh, coming off a big uh, game yardage-wise against the Falcons, Hung in there with a lot of sacks. So he can get sacked a lot and still produce. And uh, he's got Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard. And now Evan Ingram in the mix and Barkley. So a lot of weapons there. Giants should keep it close. Score some points here. And that opens uh, the door for uh, playing your principles there. And if you want to stretch for Eli and you're in a pinch at quarterback, I would go there for sure this week. I like Eli at home a little bit more than uh, like Case Keenum on the road, even though the matchup would dictate that's a little bit better there on paper our next game that we'll talk about is the ravens and panthers this is a 44 over under and uh with the this one it's a two-point favoritism to the ravens here so it's kind of a gone into their direction uh and i can see why i think the panthers are attempting pick here but you look at the Ravens, they're the grinding defense. They're the better overall defense. I think they can get the job done here. So if you need the Ravens defense, I know the matchup doesn't sound great after the Saints let down last week, but if you need them, you can look at them as well as uh, Panthers. I think they're both a bit reaches here because def- the offenses protect the ball pretty well, so keep that in mind. But there's some upside to be had there in terms of playmaking here. The Ravens, uh, the running game is hard to trust, but... Got to keep sticking with Alex Collins. He had his toughest matchup last week. And 
didn't do a whole lot, but uh, still had some signs of life there against the Saints D. And the Panthers run D is not the same level there. So Collins, you're going to stick with him if you need him. Probably an RB2 or flex for you this week. Uh, it's because of the touchdown potential that he always has. Uh, like John Brown in this game. I like uh, Willie Snead in this game. I don't like Michael Crabtree as much with the James Bradbury in the mix for the Panthers. So... That's how I look at it. I think you're reaching for a tight end if you go there with the Ravens side of things. Now, on the Panthers side, Cam Newton, you got to be a little bit careful with here. I don't really like Devin Funches in this game either. So, Greg Olson does, however, have a decent matchup here in the middle of the field. Because uh, you look at the slot receiver, that's also been a struggle there for the Ravens. Slot receivers and tight ends have done a little bit of damage, enough damage against the Ravens to say that's where a lot of that's going to funnel. So, See Olsen, you'll see a little bit of McCaffrey. I would uh, not be too high on what McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey can do this week. The whole Panthers offense, it could be a little bit uh, tough here when you look at it overall. You're looking at uh, like a 23-21 outcome in this game. So that doesn't bode for too much there overall at the best with the ceiling. So Panthers, you got to fade this week. Olsen, I'm still looking at because he did score last week and was involved the previous week uh, and should be a little bit healthier from the foot injury this particular week. Now we're talking a lot about these uh, exciting games and uh, living in the Charlotte. I've been to a few Panthers games there to uh, work on for sporting news. And uh, it's a whole different perspective when you're seeing your fantasy football players produce live and in person. And, uh, well, the best way to find your tickets to NFL games is with Vivid Seats, and it doesn't matter. It could be another sporting event, a concert, a musical. Vivid Seats is going to get you there and get you set up for an experience that you will be not forgetting for a lifetime. It's the online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing you the best in entertainment. And as a listener, this is the best thing you can do is watch your favorite team and artists perform in person. And Vivid Seats, there they're going to offer great prices and an easy purchasing experience for you. With the podcast code locked on there, that you can put that in as a listener to Locked On Fantasy Football, you can receive $20 off your first order of $200 or more as a first time customer at Vivid Seats. So great news there. You can go get a ticket and uh, save some money right away and uh, be good to go to watch your uh, favorite team here in action. And, uh, it's the night out or the afternoon out that you've been looking for. Uh, it's the top source for tickets out there, Vivid Seats. Uh, and you can easily look f- and sort by price, look for seats in the section of row of your choice. So, And you all you have to do is uh, go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seat app. Use the promo code Locked On for $20 off. Your initial order of $200 or more at Vivid Seats. And... With Vivid Seats, and when you make a purchase, is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. There, from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download that app, enter the promo code Locked On, save that $20 off your first purchase there of $200 or more. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help get you to your favorite live event. When we get back, we'll talk to Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus about the biggest, most intriguing matchups of the week. 
Joining me now, as he always does on Wednesdays for Matchup Focus, to help us look at the four most intriguing matchups of the week is Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus. How's it going, Jeff? Pretty good, pretty good. Excited that the NFL trade deadline is approaching, and we've seen some big trades for fantasy purposes. Obviously, Amari Cooper going to the Cowboys, Nick Chubb benefiting from Carlos Hyde going to the Jaguars. It's always an exciting time of the year. Yeah, it's uh, changing, and the fortunes of fantasy are also in the balance here as we hit midseason. And uh, we got to start with the marquee game here as we look at a lot of uh, good 50-point-plus over-unders. The Saints and Vikings, this is the game here. Now, uh, with this one, I'm looking at a lot of passing, just given the nature of these run defenses. They've both been pretty good here. Uh, Now, how do you kind of see this shake out for the Saints in terms of a target? So it looks like uh, Traquan Smith is doing a lot more here than uh, just being that deep threat playing over Cameron Meredith. Yeah, he is, and that's exciting to see. Now, of course, if if you're just a box score scout, you're going to look at the numbers and say, well, big deal, he had three catches. He didn't even top 50 yards. But remember, that was an outdoor game in Baltimore. It's getting a little bit colder in the Northeast as well, and the Saints are an indoor warm-weather team. Now, of course, they don't have that that uh, problem in Minnesota, even though it may be cold. I don't know what the weather forecast is because it doesn't matter. They're playing inside. And what's interesting here is we know that Every week, basically, this season, Xavier Rhodes has shadowed. And, of course, that means Michael Thomas, not Traquan Smith. So, typically, what do you do if there's a tough matchup like that? You tend to avoid it. You know, and Drew Brees is obviously a very smart quarterback, so you attack the weaker matchups. And, obviously, this week, Traquan is going to have a better matchup than Michael Thomas, so we could see a bigger game out of him this week. Now, I know Mark Ingram owners were frustrated because they got him back and he looked great against the Redskins in that game, and they put him in. And then the the Ravens matchup was tough. This one's tough. Is this a situation where that uh, you feel a lot better about Alvin Kamara because of the receiving, and you kind of uh, may have to go a different direction away from Ingram? Well, it really depends on if you can go that different direction. That's the problem this season. It's it's a thin year in terms of workhorse running backs. So I probably I haven't finished up uh, the rankings just yet, like finalized them. But when all said and done, I think that ultimately Ingram's still going to be ranked as an RB two for the week, which means that you you may be in a position where you have to start him. Yeah, on the other side, Latavius Murray is starting to look good, and there's something related to him looking good is the switch at tackle here. Riley Reef, we thought, oh, they're in trouble more in this offensive line, but you had uh, Brian O'Neill come in there. And he's looked great here. He's kind of been a game changer for this offensive line. And this Saints team has been very tough against the run. But at this point, given Murray's touches there with Dalvin Cook presumably out again, he's a guy that you have to look at almost every week now, don't you? Yeah, I think so. It, it You know, one week can be a fluke in the NFL. We've seen that numerous times. But two weeks is a trend. And, and you mentioned the offensive line. I mean, are they a great offensive line? by By no means. But they do look like they are able to create that space for him. And and that's all Murray really needs. I mean, he's a capable NFL running back. It's not like uh, some backup situations where if the starter is out, then the team is really struggling. I mean, he, he's been able to put up numbers over the course of his career. But as you mentioned, the, the clincher here is this Saints defense is no joke against the run. That's why I wouldn't be too concerned if I'm Alex an Alex Collins owner those numbers were the product of that matchup. I mean, really what we're looking at here is Adam Thielen on it, on an almost historic, but well, yeah, it is a historic play, a pace. And the fact that he gets PJ Williams when he's in the slot, 
This is a really, really intriguing matchup for Adam Thielen. I think he goes over 100 yards again this week. Yeah, and Adam Thielen, he's like Mr. Automatic. The one person who isn't is Stefan Diggs. I don't know how that happened with all those targets last week. I think he had a negative run. He was under 30 yards receiving as well. It was been, it's been ugly and frustrating for owners of Diggs, seeing Thielen go off every week and the good feelings. Uh, I know there's the memories of the Minneapolis Miracle and all that, but it looks like another tough matchup. But, but at some point, Diggs is going to have to get going, right? You would think, but you mentioned a tough matchup. And what's really interesting is opposing teams tend to prioritize him over Thielen. Now, I don't know how if that changes. You would expect that it would. But against the Cardinals, for example, Patrick Peterson shadowed Stephon Diggs on the outside, did not really cover Adam Thielen. So if Marshawn Lattimore is going to shadow in this game, does he shadow Diggs? I, the, the way that NFL teams have been playing them would suggest that they that they would do that. However, I, I don't expect him to get going this week unless he well, I mean, that being said, if he's not shadowed, he could go up against Ken Crawley a bunch, which that is a favorable matchup for Diggs. Yeah, we're just going to have to hold out hope. Eventually, he should. he's too talented, I think, uh, not to uh, produce at some point here. Uh, and maybe teams will realize, take away Thielen first, away from Kirk Cousins, and that <laughs> will help at some point. Now, we go to another game here. This is a two teams that are kind of uh, free-falling in reality here, but the Buccaneers and Bengals, the over-under is 54, four and a half only for the Bengals' favorite. So get implied a total for each team. We look at the Bengals. Uh, now, I've noticed this since Joe Mixon is in the lineup or when he's healthy. Andy Dalton, I think they try to force the run a little bit, and he kind of is tentative and doesn't produce as much. Do you think this is a setup for a big Joe Mixon game here at home? I, I think we could see a lot. Well, we should see a lot of Joe Mixon. I mean, if they want to win this game, they're going to have to establish that run. They weren't able to do that. Kansas City just didn't let them. And plus, that was a tough game on the road there. The Bengals, we've seen this out of Andy Dalton in the past, does does tend to struggle a bit on the road. So you get the home contest here. You know, the matchup is, is if it's the Buccaneers defense from most of the season, not last week, then it's relatively favorable. I expect to see a lot of A.J. Green again, because when we look at, the league's weakest secondaries, the, the Buccaneers are on that list among the, the worst secondaries in the league. So we saw him get going last week. I think Tyler Boyd bounces back as well. And we could very well see our share of C.J. Uzama in this in this contest as well. Now with Tyler Boyd, it seems like MJ Stewart, we talked about this guy. It seems like this is the biggest money in the bank, anybody working with slot against the Buccaneers. It, every week it doesn't seem to fail at this point. Yeah, pretty much. He's targeted heavily which is always a plus and then he's allowing an extremely high rate of catches which is also a plus uh you know with fantasy it's it's just like real football where you kind of have to put last week behind you i know people were frustrated with tyler boyd and what seemingly on paper looked like a good matchup but you just got to put that behind you and fire him up yet again as a as a wide receiver to play now with the buccaneers uh, what have you seen here with Jameis winston i know the winston return hasn't been great for deshaun jackson it was encouraging to see mike evans have a bounce back a big game last week but uh, do you think it's uh, kind of uh, interesting here where uh, it's been a lot of adam humphreys and a lot of oj howard uh, more than we expected more definitely more than we expected because historically Jameis tended to favor Cameron Brait over OJ Howard, but ten targets for him last week, which is a good number right there. I'm not going to read too much into last week for Deshaun Jackson because he actually was shadowed by Denzel Ward, who's been one of the best corners in the league through the first half of the season. Here, it was interesting. 
Demarius Randall shadowed Mike Evans, not Denzel Ward. So Evans was able to kind of have his way in that matchup, whereas Jackson was pretty much shut down. And then when he wasn't on the field, Ward was on Godwin, who was pretty much shut down in that matchup as well. So I think there's still bigger days ahead for Jackson, although we should note that Jameis and Jackson have never really seemed to be entirely on the same page. We saw, you know, Fitzpatrick chucking those deep balls to Jackson. I don't know why Jameis isn't doing that, but it just historically has not played out since Jackson joined the Bucks. All right, we'll see how that one plays out. We're staying in the AFC North with another game that has some intrigue here with the Steelers coming off the bye, hosting the Browns. Uh, We'll start with the Browns. Baker Mayfield uh, did, made some plays last week. Uh, used Jarvis Landry, used David Njoku. Those guys have another good matchup this week. I know it's kind of tricky trap. This is a good pass rush on the road for Mayfield. But he's a guy that uh, the, the stretch of matchups continue. I think it's Atlanta and Kansas City next that you're feeling good about playing Mayfield in the stretch. Yeah, I think so. And especially as you get through the bye weeks here, depending on when your quarterback is on bye, you could use some help, and quarterback is starting to thin out a little bit. A couple weeks ago on waivers, it looked really, really chock full of potential upside. This week, especially with this week's waiver run, it was really thin. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky stood out if he was available in leagues, but he, he may not have been. He may have already been scooped up, and I did notice that Baker was out there in a bunch of leagues. So this is this is an interesting matchup as well. The Steelers do well against the run. So, I, I mean, I'm not worried if I have Nick Chubb, by the way, because he's going he's gonna to see volume, but that would potentially suggest, all right, well, Baker could air it out a bit in this one. I'm just a little bit worried about the receivers as a whole, because you mentioned Landry. Of course, Njoku's there, but, I mean, I want to see more consistency out of Antonio Callaway, and they do somewhat lack depth at the position. Now, Nick Chubb uh, came through for everyone who played him in uh, year-long in DFS, immediate plug-and-play with the Carlos Hyde trade. Is he a guy that, it was pretty much in the lineup every week just because of his immense talent. It's the talent. It's the opportunity. It's, you know, sort of all of it colliding together. This is one of the most exciting developments that happened during the season for us because you, you may have stashed him and, and how often do, do we have these stashes that actually kind of you catch lightning in a bottle with, it doesn't happen all the time, but it certainly happened here. And last week, the numbers weren't, through the roof or anything but 18 for 80 and a touchdown i mean if you're telling me that this guy could put up you know something like that every week i mean sign me up right now and i do think given the volume he's going to see in this offense that he's capable of being an rb2 or better every single week now the browns have played better pass defense in certain situations they're kind of inconsistent they sometimes look great rushing passer shutting things down is there any concerns with the steelers passing game this week uh Given this could be maybe not as high scoring as we expect from the, their side, at least from that aspect of their offense. Now, I'm not really too worried about it. The question is, how do they use their corners? Who is Denzel Ward going to be on this week? Given the way that they've played with Denzel Ward, the expectation would be that he will be on Antonio Brown. Now, that's going to be pretty interesting to see. Uh, Ward has shadowed in each of the last three weeks. We would expect that to continue uh, going forward here, I, with Brown, it typically doesn't matter. So I'm just going to throw that one out there. But otherwise, if, if that's the case, then you could expect potentially a big game from Juju Smith-Schuster. All right, we'll be looking for that in that one. And uh, another game where it's uh, very promising, I think this has the highest over-under of the week, is the Packers and the Rams. So fire up uh, a lot of uh, good things there. But when you look at the Packers, uh, 
they're trying to sort out all these other receivers. Uh, looks like Drama Allison and or Randall Cobb could return. They have Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemius St. Brown made a play in the previous game. Now, when you look at the Packers, that uh, is pretty much the only thing you can trust a lot is just Devontae Adams eating up targets. And you almost want to welcome a Marcus Peters matchup in this one, don't you? Yeah, we do. Surprisingly enough, sorry, Rams fans, that has not worked out so well this season. And and yes, that is the matchup that I would expect. Now, I don't expect Peters to shadow. That's not what he does. But when you look up, look at the uh, frequency of which, you know, these guys are lining up on the same side of the field, it would suggest that they're going to see each other a majority of the time this weekend, which is really favorable for Adams. Obviously, the six touchdowns already this season. He could add to that total in this contest. Now, looking at their running game, we have no idea what they're going to do with Aaron Jones and uh, Jamal Williams. But is that something that you kind of have to stay away from uh, thinking about the game flow in this one, given the Packers are already leaning heavy toward the pass in general? Well, I think we do know that's the problem. I think the fantasy owners don't want to know. They don't want to they don't want to believe what's actually happening here. But it's pretty simple. Aaron Jones is a a running back who they're going to use in early down situations to give them a spark. Jamal Williams will also be sprinkled in there. And then Jamal Williams is a significantly better pass blocker than Aaron Jones. So they're not going to trust Aaron Jones in those situations. And then, of course, Ty Montgomery is a hybrid catcher catcher of the football out of the backfield. I mean, he's not really a running back. He's not really a wide receiver. He's just a, you know, sort of offensive hybrid weapon in that regard. And that isn't changing. And it's not Mike McCarthy being an idiot. It's not Mike McCarthy wanting to lose his job. It's the coaching staff using the players with the skill sets that they have at their disposal, which means for fantasy purposes, you can't really use any of those guys. That being said, if you're an Aaron Jones owner, I know you're probably fed up, but I love having Aaron Jones on my bench right now because he is one Jamal Williams injury away from a significant role in that offense because that all of a sudden they're not going to bring somebody else to be Jamal Williams. It's it's those touches will go to Jones and then he becomes an RB2 with RB1 upside. So you're, you're holding him, but you're not using him. Well, you know, if people drafted Todd Gurley, he's pretty much an RB1 and an RB2 every week. You put him in and you're covering two. He might be the flex too if you uh, look at three positions covered by one guy. But what's happening here maybe is that uh, it's hurting Jared Goff's upside because A, Todd Gurley can score two to three touchdowns and uh, dominate every week. And uh, the Packers, we know, just got gashed by the 49ers. But also that there's less passing uh, kind of reliance here saying it's just Robert Woods and Brand Cooks and a lot of Gurley. And do you, do you kind of see that where it's hard to trust Jared Goff from having those big, big games? Yeah, I agree with that. And in the game script here, if, if this line holds, which I expect it, it'll be somewhat in this range, unless any crazy news happens, they're nine point favorites. I mean, that would suggest a game script that is Gurley heavy, that the Rams get up and they ride the lead And that's not good for the passing game, unfortunately, plus the fact that obviously not having Cooper Cup out there, that hurts some things of what they're able to do when you have those three receivers. Now, you heard, uh, you know, that this um, Falcons receiver group last night on or two nights ago on Monday Night Football, they said, oh, that this is the best receiver group in the NFL. Well, I don't know about that. I think the Rams are pretty darn good in terms of a trio as well. If Cooper Cup is fully healthy. 
and having Josh Reynolds out there, I mean, a capable guy, but he's not Cooper Cup. And then you have to move, well, you have to move Woods into the slot. And it just changes up what they're doing. So I think for now, unfortunately, we have to view Goff more as a, a front end quarterback, too. So a guy who can potentially be quarter, quarterback one in Givens fantasy weeks, but he isn't an every week automatic start. Now, one last thing we'll talk about with Todd Gurley. Now, we've seen some amazing seasons that have carried people championships. Marshall Falk, Sean Alexander. I think right now he's on pace to break the Ladanian Tomlinson mark for touchdowns in a season. Now, is a guy like that in a draft next year when you look at it and if, assuming things don't change and he stays healthy as a clear-cut number one pick, do you think there's some ways people have to change that maybe with the uh, third round reversal or something if he's the number one pick there in your uh, lottery next year no not at all nothing's guaranteed in fantasy football and you know if he's the number one pick he's the number one pick i mean do what you can to get that first overall pick but really you don't win your fantasy league with just one player i mean he certainly is helping the cause because like you said he's covering essentially two positions worth of fantasy points but that isn't guaranteed to happen any given season. And we know, you know, year in and year out, where you win your fantasy leagues is first and foremost by drafting quality depth through the middle and late rounds of your fantasy drafts and then by working your waiver wire better than everybody else. I mean, you could have Todd Gurley and then the rest of your players be bust. And I think you're probably, you know, just fighting to be 500 at this point. So, no, I don't think so. I don't think you mess with it. Just stick stick to what it is and Continue to draft for value and outdraft your opponents, and you'll be good to go. Well, I have a case in point. I'm in a league where there's a guy with Patrick Mahomes and Todd Gurley, and they're under 500. So that shows yep. that you need a lot more than uh, just one stud to win, but it helps to have a guy like Gurley. Uh, Jeff, uh, what are you working on there at Pro Football Focus that uh, listeners here can uh, check out there and uh, get more advice? Sure. On Thursday nights at Pro Football Focus, 7 to 8 Eastern, I do a live chat. So you can ask me any question you want. Just go to the site and it's easy to find in the fantasy section. And then on Fridays, every single week, we release the Friday Focus, which is my column that pretty much covers everything in the NFL. You know, you want you want information about every single one of your fantasy players. I try to talk about pretty much every fantasy relevant guy in bite sized pieces of information that you can kind of go back to through the course of your workday. Just chew, chew on a little bit and then go back to it a little bit later. It's a great article and it's free at ProFootballFocus.com. Yeah, he's uh, one of the most accurate guys out there, guys. So we're lucky to have him here on the Experts edition of Locked On Fantasy Football. Thanks a lot, Jeff, and we'll talk to you next week. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks again to Jeff Radcliffe for joining us and uh, shedding light on those uh, four big games. Uh, definitely a lot of fantasy production to be had there when you look across the board. And uh, exciting week, and uh, can't wait to see those uh, teams get in action uh, across the uh, – AFC North and a little bit of NFC North and uh, NFC South as well there for you. We'll continue looking at the rest of the games on the schedule here and uh, close out the show. We have the Jets and Bears here playing. Uh, The Bears are a seven-point favorite at home. We know Mitchell Trubisky has been a baller at home, getting it done. Even if it's not pretty, if the accuracy is off or the throwing is bad, he's got turnovers, he's doing it with his legs, using all of his weapons. The Jets really can stop the run here, so not looking good for Jordan Howards, but and uh, Terry Cohen, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I think you look at the Vikings doing a good job with the run. I think that was a bit of anomaly last week, so 
I just don't like Jordan Howard the way he's being used. I think Terry Cohen's going to be involved more. I do like Allen Robinson a lot. He's going to get the favorable matchup if Tremaine Johnson is out because Morris Claiborne won't move, and Morris Claiborne will be seeing a lot of Taylor Gabriel in this game. So really like Robinson, really like Cohen the way he's playing. Trubisky's a good play here. Trey Burton is locked in, and uh, the Jets can be vulnerable against the tight end here. So I think it's going to be a lot of Burton, Robinson, and Cohen. Keep it simple for Mitchell Trubisky. Those are guys who are going to help him produce. Well, they're not going to do as much in the running game or the deep shot passing game this particular week. It's going to be more of a possession grind game against the Jets. Maybe you'll get a deep shot like you did from the Vikings against the Jets last week. But I think pretty much it's going to be grinding and wearing down this uh, Jets Defense in an untraditional way of throwing the ball. There, the Bears defense, great play at home. A rebound spot here. Struggle against the Dolphins and Patriots. They're going to come home to roost against uh, Sam Darnold, the Jets, Khalil Mack and company making some big plays for sure against the rookie. Now, on the Jets side of things, Bilal Powell's put on IR. I can't really recommend Trenton Cannon or uh, Isaiah Crowell with that foot injury here in this uh, road matchup against the Bears. So, Really hard to like anything there. I think in the passing game, you're reaching a little bit. If you need to, you can go to Robbie Anderson this week. Jermaine Curse, uh, that experiment failed. We know that he didn't touch the ball, didn't uh, record any catches there in the previous game against the Vikings. So it's really hard to trust anyone like that, especially with the tight ends being involved. So not a fan of uh, Chris Herndon either. But if you're going somewhere with the Jets, it's Robbie Anderson, and that's about it. This week, uh, you're only pretty much healthy wideout that uh, Sam Darnold could throw to in uh, what we hope is some garbage time there in the second half. The next game, as we flip to the late afternoon window here on uh, Sunday, is the Colts and Raiders 4 or 5 kickoff out there in the black hole. The Raiders coming off a bye. They don't have Amari Cooper. They don't have uh, Marshawn Lynch. Lynch is on IR. Cooper is straight into the Cowboys. So we have to sort out what's going on here. It's going to be more of Doug Martin. The game flow would suggest it's going to be more of Jalen Richard. They have the over-under at 50 and only a three-point spread. So they expect it to be a little close. I don't think that matters as much. It's not like they're going to give Doug Martin all of a sudden 20 to 25 touches and grind this game away. He's just not capable of doing that. He's an older back. So I expect to see a lot of Richard out there. Jan- Richard and... Uh, Jared Cook are going to really try to make up for the loss of Cooper in the receiving core. Because we know that Martavis Bryant's a shot guy, and he doesn't have a bad matchup here against Nate Hairston. But overall, hard to trust there. We have to kind of feel it out. I think if you're going to go with the baseline receiver, there you go with the Jordy Nelson to extend from Cook and Richard. But expect those three people involved. Derek Carr, there's some feeling that maybe he's a sleeper, but I just don't want to tie my situation there it's not like he's a cash game quarterback so i wouldn't even play him in a year long in that sense here so that's what you have to look at from the raiders or the colts side of things it's pretty simple andrew luck just keep rolling him out there you got ty hilton didn't get too much involved last week but still caught two touchdowns i think it'll, it'll expand a little bit here marlon mack out of the backfield is killing it eric ebron you gotta trust that he'll bounce back and have a shot at getting in the end zone in this one as well as the Colts uh, kind of, I like them to kind of dominate this game overall with their defense and offense. So hopefully the Colts will still throw enough here, and I think they will, but they'll still balance and be productive. And that's good news for Marlon Mack to have another nice second half and a big game overall here going forward. So Marlon Mack continues. If you've got that pickup, you're going to be very pleased again 
this particular week. And the Colts defense, if you need them, you can play them again. Raiders could have a little bit more energy offensively and make a few less mistakes, but uh, I have to wait. And a lot of uh, wait to see with the Raiders with all their changes uh, when they were off and we saw them play last. Our next game that uh, we'll talk about that we didn't uh, get to earlier in this uh, afternoon window, we talked Packers-Rams, we talked Saints-Vikings in between that and at the same time is the 49ers and uh, Cardinals 425 there, 49ers on the road here. It's a rematch. The 49ers had a lot of success success in the first matchup in San Francisco, but they weren't on really uh, producing well. They, they turned over the ball lots. So they, they were on the field a lot, but not effective there against the Cardinals. It's going to be tough. The Cardinals are desperate here. They're going to play a little bit better defense, so... C.J. Beathard definitely cannot be recommended. The Cardinal strength is against a pass. So I could see a lot of Raheem Mostert. So he's a guy I'm really intrigued by, especially Matt Breida. They don't fool around with his ankle injury and keep him down. Alfred Morris is just a guy here. Mostert has run well. He's caught the ball well. So I'm excited to play him in uh, leagues as an RB2 or flex and uh, definitely good DFS value if Breida's out for sure. He's uh, pretty much an automatic chalk play there against his bad Cardinals run defense in a pick game between these two teams there. Now the Cardinals side of things, I kind of like Larry Fitzgerald to keep it going here with the Byron Leftwich taking over as the offense coordinator and play caller. I think he's going to keep it simple for his rookie quarterback. A lot of uh, Larry Fitzgerald, a lot of uh, David Johnson, some overcorrection from what we saw that uh, Mike McCoy failed at as uh, can be expected here in this particular game. So I like Fitzgerald. I like Johnson. That doesn't mean like anything else. Christian Kirk and Chad Williams, yeah, they've had some moments, but I think the change in offense is going to be get it to our principal guys, be safe with the football, and uh, make Josh Rosen comfortable as possible if he has to play hurt with that toe injury as well. So, so I'm saying in the Cardinals defense, I really like them. The 49ers defense, you could also look at them as well. They just don't make enough plays for me. The Cardinals actually have... Playmakers there in Chandler Jones and Patrick Peterson where the pressure and interceptions can be there to produce a nice day. So uh, that's how I kind of look at it there with uh, these two teams. And defense, if you're looking for streaming help, always uh, default to the home team that's a little bit more desperate than the road team that uh, kind of just doesn't have much left. And a lot of defensive injuries as well for the 49ers. With the 49ers, uh, you got to avoid the receiving core as well as Beathard, uh, George Kittle, He's got to be played every week. That's about it. You feel, feel really good about the 49ers passing game. And Mostert, of course, is a good, solid non-reach this week, especially if uh, Breida doesn't play. And finally, we'll end this uh, matchup-focused look at Week 8 with the Patriots and Bills. This is a 44-and-a-half over-under and a lot of scoring on the Patriots side of things. So it's, I think it's going to be hard for the Patriots to cover here, the Bills. Or at least going to come out inspired. Monday night home game at home. Uh, fly around a little bit. Make a few plays against the pass. Tom Brady hasn't necessarily just lit this team up of late. And there's a good reason for that. His defense pretty good. They have Tredavious White out there. That uh, we'll see where he travels. I think he'll probably be on Josh Gordon quite a bit. But they can move around Josh Gordon. Get away from that. Make some plays here. We saw even last week with White and Hilton. There in that uh, Colts matchup that... Uh, in the end, the touchdowns were there. So I could see a couple short scores, potentially from Gordon and Chris Hogan being a uh, revenge game. He'll be interested as well to play here. I don't see it being just a run-over situation for the Patriots without uh, Sonny Michel here, most likely. Robert Gorkowski, 
may also be out of this one as well, looking toward that as well. So I see a lot of the wide receiver usage again between Edelman, Hogan, and Gordon as Brady turns around, spreads the field, and uses that short passing game this week to uh, move the ball. For the Patriots, got to like the Patriots' defense as well. Scored twice on special teams last week in Chicago. In Buffalo, they'll be effective against some turnovers and sacks, that's for sure, against a Derek Anderson, who didn't look all that much better than Nathan Peterman last week. Uh, if you're going to trust any of the Bills, it's certainly not their uh, defense, but you look at uh, the running game, if uh, LaShawn McCoy is going to miss time, then you got to look at uh, Chris Ivory and Marcus Murphy if you're a little bit desperate. Ivory definitely is a good... RB2 play if needed there if you had McCoy in that role in uh, standard leagues there. And, uh, so you look at Ivory plug and play. Murphy's a little bit of a dart throw uh, curveball if they get really out of hand in this game that uh, you'll see Murphy be involved more than Ivory in the, as that replacement potentially for McCoy. We have to just see if McCoy clears the concussion protocol or is good to go with his ankle before we can go that way. But Kelvin Benjamin... If you're going to dig deep and go for a deep play, I have to say it's Kelvin Benjamin. He did show some signs of life with his former Carolina Panthers quarterback there, Derek Anderson. So there's that for you in this particular game. And we know the Patriots are going to have a lead and there'll be some garbage chances here in the passing game for Benjamin. Maybe he'll even sneak a touchdown in there. But keep in mind, Stephon Gilmore is also a pretty good corner there and has uh, done really well this season. So that's something to keep in mind. And uh, look at this... uh, Matchup pretty lopsided for a Monday Night Affair, 14 points in favor of the Patriots. I think it'll live close that way. I think the Bills are going to still get it, get it done enough where they can make it interesting. That's why I kind of like Benjamin and whoever the running backs of note are this week for Buffalo. So there you have it. There's another edition of Locked On Fantasy Football in the books as we hit the, the midway point of week eight and matchup focused. Uh, Thanks again to Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus for his insight on those four games. We'll come back uh, tomorrow with uh, Tyler Lochner of Pro Football Focus with a DFS spin look there on lineup focused as we look at the prices of some of these players we've talked about in relation to others and uh, how we want to construct our cash game and tournament lineups on FanDuel and DraftKings. So we'll do a little bit of a focus on that tomorrow. We're glad that you like our focus on all the games today for Locked On Fantasy Football for our friends at Pro Football Focus. This has been Mini Iyer. We'll see you tomorrow.